Good morning and welcome to the Monday Morning Marketing Podcast. I'm Esther. And I'm Melanie. And today we're joined with, by Dan Holloway, business coach for creative entrepreneurs, helping them to start, grow and scale their businesses and help them understand the difference between the three. And we're talking about sales and mindset. Welcome, Dan. Hello. Thank you for having me. Awesome. I'm so Great excited. to have you. It's a very Americanism thing, wasn't it? I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> well, we're glad that you're excited to be here because um, we have been ha- using this podcast now for almost 100 episodes mm. and we have not dedicated enough space, enough airwaves to sales and mindset. Agreed. For the small business owners, for especially for creative entrepreneurs. So what gems are you bringing to us today? Oh, so many. So, so many to not fit into a couple of minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so really where, where I, I tend to start is whether you're starting or growing or scaling, and I'll explain the differences between the three and a second. I think a lot of the time the clients that I work with, they struggle with understanding where they're actually at. You know, and that's the whole kind of like when you're in the trenches and when you're really struggling to kind of just either get clients in or actually deliver to your clients or when you're trying to figure out how you're supposed to scale the product you've already got. There's a lot of in the trenches work. And any entrepreneur, I've yet to meet any that haven't, um, at some point you all struggle with understanding your place and where you're at in that journey. Um, And that involves stopping and taking your head out of the turrets, um, kind of just looking around and figuring out where the hell you are, right? Yeah. And I think a lot of the time... When you're starting, it's not even about learning what you don't know, because you don't know what you don't know. A lot of the time, starting is all about understanding what your plan is. Um, And I'll talk about journey in a second as well. Understanding what your plan is, and really, in technical terms, that's your strategy. But you don't really yet think strategically. Um, And that's something you have to learn and gain over time. When you're growing... That's when you know, you've got some customers coming in, but it tends to be linear-based growth, you know, because a lot often it's all based on the amount of hours you have in a day, right? Yeah. And depending on if there's uh, thirty hours, sorry, thirty days in the month or thirty-one days in the month, exclude February for a bit, you know, you've either got seven hundred twenty hours or seven hundred forty-four hours in a month, right? And okay. when considering, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Considering you need to sleep actually have a social life, you know, eat, do those things that humans have to do behind closed doors, all that stuff, you have a finite amount of time. So growth tends to be very linear, and it's most often than not linked directly with time. Okay? It's interesting you mentioned linear, because our last guest um, actually mentioned linear um, um, making. You were saying, you know, FOMO can be quite linear as well. It seems to be the the key word of today's marketing spiel, I suppose. Um, is this becoming a trend? Is this something that we have to accept as as the way forward for marketing? Is this linear platforms? Um, actually, I say it depends. So, I see linear as steady progressive growth over time. Um, I see exponential, i.e., scale. So linear, so growth is linear, scale is exponential, right? So exponential growth is that kind of exponential curve, you know, the kind of the hockey stick, as it's described. Mm -hmm. If, and this is again where a lot of businesses struggle, 
often people are told in the entrepreneurial world, you know, you need to have a scalable product, you need to scale your business, you know, you need to scale your revenue, you need to do this, you need to do that. And a lot of the time, that's just not the case. You know, that's not true. Because if you have a lifestyle-based business where actually you want to do hourly-based work, you know, you're earning a decent income, you're not interested in potentially exiting to venture capital or kind of like going crazy scale, then actually linear growth, if you're a lifestyle type of business, is actually a very good thing because it's just steady progressive growth over time. And that's exactly where you want to focus yourself. And if you start focusing on scale, then actually you detract yourself away from the business you actually have and the business you want, right? And if you want to have a scalable business, on the other hand, then actually that's more high volume. Mm. You know, that's less customer interaction. That's detaching yourself from hourly based services kind of style products and more into digital products or scalable products. It's a completely different mindset, completely different type of business. So, I mean, to answer your question, I think the, the terminology of linear is a buzzword that a lot of people are using at the mm-hmm. moment. Very few people actually understand what it actually means in the context of business and what it actually means in relation to the business they want to grow. And, and that, that understanding the difference between growth and scale, linear and exponential, when, when it comes to mindset as well, the shift that makes in your brain, you're like, so actually, all these people are telling me I need to have a scalable business. I don't want a scalable business. And immediately you don't have to focus on it. Well, seeing as Esther took up so much at the beginning of the podcast, I'm going to ask another question now. (laughs) Um, Go back and listen. I did not. That was all just Dan's intro. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'll I'll have a shorter intro. (laughs) So what I wanted to ask now is you, you particularly work with creatives. And before we started recording, I went brave you. Um, and I'm, I'm going to stand by that because working with creatives, bless them, they're fabulous. They've got personality oozing out of every orifice. But by golly, are they hard to work with in, in some sectors. Um, so what do you bring to the table for creatives that, that makes them actually do stuff? Because I'd love to know what it was. So I, I actually mix a lot of psychology and and mindset-based um, coaching with, with a lot of what I do. So I can teach the tactics all day long, but unless you actually are focused very specifically on a destination, then no tactics in the world are going to help you. You know, no volume of tactics, no helpful tactics. It's just not going to help you if you're going to be going in all sorts of different directions. Um, so one of the things I, I talk about a lot with clients, and this, this is too deep a topic to go into mm. during this show, but there's a topic called Ikigai, which is actually a Japanese word um, that it doesn't have a direct English translation, but generally means or loosely means um, life's purpose or like meaning. Um, and when you go through an Ikigai process, you actually go through the, the real drivers that you as a person um, are driven by you know your passions what motivates your, you yeah yeah what gets you out of bed out of the morning yeah. you know, what's going to actually make you get out of bed on the days you don't want to get out of bed um, but it also helps you to understand even where you've got like a passion and you're, you've got a mission and maybe you have a profession if those three things or if that's four actually because vocation passion mission and um, profession is part of the inner circle but when they all mesh together, they need to all mesh together. Because if you can't be paid for something, but you have a passion in it, then you never have a business, you know, because people aren't going to pay for it. Mm. But equally, yeah, it's just a hobby. Yeah. 
But equally, if someone's going to pay for something, but actually you're not passionate about it, you're going to get bored after a couple of years, maybe a few months, and you know your business is going to fail. So a lot of the time I work on the, the real deep motivator type of style um, elements of someone's personality before I even start talking about business, um, because that's what keeps them going. And creatives, I found, when you work with them on that level, actually they become very easy to work with um, because when they are focused on something they're passionate about, nothing else matters. But when you try and feed them all the strategies and tactics in the world, none of which they really kind of care about because they're passionate about this one thing, actually not going to listen. But equally, and very similarly, I've worked for years with startups in venture capital and private equity-backed worlds. I think my my biggest business was, I I was on the senior management team of a business that we went through a nine-figure exit process. Like real crazy, crazy stuff. Um, And even when you work on that level, it's no different to working with like solopreneur e-commerce businesses. The challenges they tend to have is actually they look at people more like numbers than humans, and they end up dehumanizing their entire business. So actually, you've got to teach empathy to the funnel hackers, (laughs) and you've got to teach funnel hacking and business to the creatives, um, because they're just different ends of the the same kind of paradigm, if that makes sense. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, talk to them on a level that they understand. Yeah. On whatever level, whether you're talking to the creatives or the venture capitalists, it has to be where they're at. Yeah. I mean, if you're talking to funnel hackers about sales, you talk about like psychology and no, ethos and pathos and logos, and you kind of you know go into the real deep psychology le- level side of things because it's a framework to them, you know, and they have to, they have to understand in that kind of almost logical sense about how to sell. Whereas if you're talking sales to creatives, I actually teach sales to creatives, like picking someone up in a bar. And because the psychology... Interesting. Is that the way to do it? Is that where we're going wrong? Well, I can tell you how to do it if you want. Have to go to the bars, Melanie. Have to go to the bars. Everyone can relate to it and everyone understands. If If you can pick up someone in a bar, the psychology of sales, whether it's in a bar picking up someone you'd like to look of or whether it's selling a product or service to someone, we won't go into the the realms of, you know, the two most ancient professions in the world. <laughs> Let's um, not go farming. there. This is a family show. Exactly. You, you mean farming. 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 Is- farming. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yes. Farming. That, that psychology is no different at all. You know, so, I mean, if you're, let's talk about funnels and let's talk about, um, selling one-to-one services hmm. you know let's say coaching neither other services obviously Curious. let's talk about that <laughs> <laughs> but the process you basically have to engage someone and get their attention yeah. you then have to hook them with some kind of an interest you then ask permission in some form to actually start a conversation with them you know small talk you deepen that relationship, you deepen that connection on an emotional level, on a logical level, and then you make an ask, the ask being some kind of a conversion, right? And that's the, the sales process that you go through as a human. Now, that as a funnel hacker looks something like um, downloading a PDF, um, which is like an ebook or something. You know, that ebook is on a page that has a hook 
you know, some kind of title that entices someone who is interested in that topic to click on the PDF. They download that. That's actually them accepting permission. So they've hooked, they've sought permission, they've gained permission, they've downloaded the thing. Reading the ebook connects with them on an emotional level and logical level, and then ask them to book a call. You know, that is like funnel hacking 101. Okay. Whereas if you're in a networking event and say, for instance, you saw a speaker up on stage and you're really interested in them and you want to, you really think you can actually help their business, then you catch their eye from across the room. Right. You might do a hair flick if you had hair. I don't oh have hair. Oh my God, here we go. You <laughs> but you catch their eye. You go up and say, great talk. Really enjoyed it. Um, you know, what's your thoughts on blah, blah, blah. Really interested to know. And if they say, sorry, I haven't got time to talk about this at the moment. I'm just about to go into a meeting. You say, yeah, no worries. You know, maybe see you again sometime. And you swing it back around. That's like metaphorical kind of nurturing pile. If they say, yeah, sure. And you say, oh, do you want to grab a coffee? Maybe, you know, maybe sit down. And if they say, yes, you seek in permission, then you connect. You right, start a conversation, connect emotionally, connect logically. Then you make an ask. You know, the sales process is exactly the same. Hmm. See? So, so where do people get stuck? Where do people get stuck in the sales? Because you mean they fear. Like, yeah, <laughs> so I was fear gonna of say, rejection. You mentioned the word sales as like, oh, mm. go cry so in the corner. Why do most people not pick up someone in a bar? If they're single, if they're lonely, if they really want to meet someone, why do they not do it? Because they're fear of rejection. They have a fear of putting themselves out there. They have a fear of what they're going to show up like. They have a fear about what other people are going to think. Exactly the same as the fears you have going into a sale. It's exactly the same. There's no different. You know, we as you know, human beings, the physiological impacts we have is no different to that than it is, you know, being confronted by a lion or something. <laughs> the physiological impact okay. is exactly you're, you're the same. <laughs> you're not helping. You're not helping. Wildly, wildly <laughs> unlikely that we're all going to face lions <laughs> imminently. But, but, you know, I, I do get that there is a... a particular mindset that people have to have in order to commit to sales okay over the last few years um, as I've widened my knowledge and I've had the opportunity to speak to more people I've under I've started building an understanding about customer mapping and mindset and sales and funnels and all that sort of stuff but you don't wake up and know all of that stuff and you're certainly not capable of thinking of all of that stuff when you first set up um, my own business, my own business, nobody else knew the business better than me. And it still took me 11 months to stand up in front of somebody and tell them about it. Now, it was a dash of imposter syndrome, granted. Um, but how do we help as a coach, as you've mentioned numerous times, <laughs> how do we help um, the startups that are listening to, or just the people who are just blindly nervous about starting sales because even even Esther and I we say we don't do sales we do marketing <laughs> yeah so I mean I would suggest look at Ikigai um, and by all means I mean I've got how do you uh, spell that by the way for those who can't hear Ikigai so I-K-I-G-A-I thank you um, and I mean I, I have a mini course on that as well so by all means go to my website you can have a look at that yourself or just Thanks. google Ikigai um, it's not you know, it's not anything that's bespoke or kind of secret or framework. It's actually embedded in, you know, deeply within culture in Japan. So, you know, it's it's nothing that's proprietary. The Japanese culture actually use it 
on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, so I'd suggest look at that first. And the, the second thing is don't expect to wake up one morning and shift your, your frame of mind onto, I'm not interested in sales to, I'm going to be the best salesperson in the world because it's not going to happen. Right. Oh, come on. And I, I can <laughs> tell you. You're coming with a, with a miracle, you know, like these drug um, weight loss pills. Like, come on, we need we need something instant, something immediate. It doesn't work. Oh, no plug and play. You mean, I have to, you, you mean I just have to work on it? There's no plugins. There's nope. no nothing that will do it for me. AI. Yep. So oh, there has there to be are, some artificial intelligence that will do it for me. There are things that you can do in a, a therapy point of view that actually help. Um, I won't tell you how I how I actually got comfortable with sales because mine was a it was actually quite a natural thing. You know, as soon as I got more confident in myself, actually mm -hmm. sales became quite easy. I, I don't care about you know standing up on stage in front of people. Doesn't even bat an eyelid in terms of my mindset. I just do it um, because I'm more confident in myself. But actually, I became more confident in myself after having therapy. Um, and I can tell you that mini story if you want because it's a really short one. Yeah, go ahead. Um, because I, I was, I don't talk about this too often. Um, I think I've talked about it on stage like once or twice. But I was, I was massively bullied when I was at school, like hugely, to the point where throughout most of my adult life, up until probably the age of 20, 28, 29 or so, um, I was 29 actually, when I met my wife. Well, she wasn't my wife then. She didn't meet her and say like, ta-da, we're married, yay. <laughs> but I met the, the woman who I thought, do you know what? I've destroyed every relationship I've ever had because I've like I've been fearful of commitment. I've been fearful of getting hurt. Like I had all these reservations, everything. And I thought, and I did say to her at the time, I want to stay with you and I want to be with you, but I need to go into therapy to do that. <laughs> and she's like, uh, okay, I think that's sweet. I think. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually had therapy because of it, right? But what the guy who I I actually ended up working with helped me to do was try to understand where all those fears came from. And he actually got me to go kind of a semi-trance-like state. And he got me to think back to the most painful memory I could could I could think of from school. Bear in mind, I blocked out 90% of school. Um, and I thought back to that time. And he got me to replay the whole thing in my head and make the, the colours brighter and make the, the pain more vivid. You know, there's me like, you know, semi-trance-like crying and everything because it was just horrible. Like, really horrible. Um, and the long story is, I'll tell you that another time if you want, but that's like a long, long story. But he got me to relive this whole thing. And then he said, right, now the person who's inflicting all that pain on you, give them a clown nose and go through the whole thing again. And I was like, okay. So I went through the whole story in my head, you know, on repeat, like five, six, 10 times. He goes, right, now give them full clown makeup, clown hair. And it was like clown feet, clown costume. And they actually made the whole thing just absurd. And I went through this whole therapy session for about an hour, hour and a half, just replaying this thing in my head. Um, and then when when we were done, he said, right, now go home, just chill out and let me know how you get on over the next couple of days. And I went home. I didn't sleep at all because the entire night, all these memories from school kept on unlocking in my head. And I remember now most of my childhood, whereas before I'd blocked most of it out. Um, and it was that one little thing that he he got me to almost trivialize a painful memory. And that memory was a blocker. And from that point on, I'm actually a confident person. I'm actually naturally a confident person, not a damaged person. And 
I, if that hadn't have happened, I wouldn't be able to stand up on stage. I wouldn't be able to do, you know, podcast interviews like this. You know, I wouldn't be able to sell to people mm. um, because I, I worked with someone to actually unlock the blocks. Um, but it's, it doesn't happen overnight. Well, no. Yeah. And there was a, obviously associated trauma with it as well. Do you know, it reminded mm-hmm. me, as you were describing that, of a Bogart from Harry Potter. And you're going, ridiculous. <laughs> do you remember that? <laughs> I'm not a Harry Potter fan. I don't remember the character, but I do remember the name. Sorry. But I can't. Remember, I can't picture it. I'm no. shocked. There's <laughs> yeah. there's all there's loads of people listening to this podcast right now going, "How can you not remember that?" Anyway, I'll have to watch <laughs> um, Harry Potter. Now. It was Ron uh, with the spider and and the we, the wheels, yes. the skates. Yeah, 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 yeah. I do remember that. Yes, same sort of thing. Yes. Make it trivialize it, or make it because basically our, our emotions are are driven by the images in our mind. Like yeah. you stand at the bottom of a climbing wall and you're terrified of heights. Mm. You're not on a height. You're just terrified of what might happen if you got to the height. But if you change your mindset to the point of view of you're picturing yourself smiling, happy, joyful, high-fiving your friends at the top, then actually getting there is a lot less scary because it's just the images in your brain that are making it scary. Okay. So recapping a bit. So... Yep. Um, <laughs> we got around houses, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> Just conscious of the time. We're running out of time here. So only scale if you have the resources to scale and the team behind you to be able to scale. Otherwise, grow and, you know, grow in a steady, linear pattern and then consider scaling once you have figured out how to sleep less, eat less, socialize less. <laughs> To a degree, yeah. I mean, decide what kind of business you want. If you want a scalable business that's light touch to customers, then scalable business is for you. If you like working with people one-to-one, you like services-based businesses, that is very, very hard to scale. Mm-hmm. So don't even bother trying. You know, just, just decide what you want, ultimately. Mm-hmm. And if you're not too sure, look at Ikigai. Um, if you're not too sure after that, talk to me. <laughs> if you're still not too sure after that, there's pretty much not that much hope for you. <laughs> I'm kidding, of he might need therapy. Well, you might. <laughs> Genuinely, you might. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's not a scary thing. It's... It isn't, no. So how do people find you to be able to talk to you? Uh, I'm on socials, at, all of them actually, at, at Dan Holloway Live. Um, or if you go to danholloway.live, that's my website, you can find all about me there. Grab a call if you want to learn more about the topics we've been talking about. Um, and yeah, everything is all on the website. And you can Brilliant. find me at all the socials. Thank you, Brilliant. Dan. Yeah, thanks very much, Dan, for coming on today and for answering our questions. And I'm sure people have lots more questions to ask you. Um, but until then, guys, we're back next week with more Monday Morning Marketing. Bye bye. I told you she's the harsh one. She always speeds things up. Have you noticed that? <laughs> anyway, well, bye. We can, him... <laughs> we can always bring them back another day, you know? Oh, okay. like, so much left to talk about. <laughs> okay. Till then, bye. <laughs> bye, everyone.